Well, good day, everyone, and welcome to The Journey this week. My name's Stuart Hennessy. My great pleasure each and every week, well, just about, to bring you this show. And we're doing so as we scream into a pretty jam-packed end of the year for us at The Journey, and no doubt for many of you as we, uh, as we go through the hustle and bustle of life. And, and today is right around the church in Australia, known as Mission Sunday, where we focus on, in particular, the mission of the church to make Jesus known and loved, and, and often to the mission to really serve people, to serve the poor and the marginalised. And, uh, and Mission Sunday is a really important one where we uh, nail our colours to the masks and, and ensure that we're, we're active, active in mind and heart, in prayerfulness and also in action. Some great people on the show for you this week. We're going to be hearing from uh, Dr. Byron Francine Parola. Smart Loving is the name of their segment. And they're going to talk to us about just the deadly nature of the blame game in a marriage Father Mike Delaney is with us too. He's got a couple of experiences that he's going to be talking about in his God in the Everyday segment. Really good to have Father Tony Percy back on the show today too. He's um, breaking open for us the gospel that we've got for Sunday. He's not doing the actual official gospel reflection. We're going to hear from Father Christopher Del Rosario about that, or about him in a moment. But Father Tony Percy is going to talk about the church-state relationship and what Jesus had to say about it. And he's been right in the mix with all that because he's been heading the charge, leading the, the objections and the fight as uh, Catholic lands and hospitals were taken away from them at the whim of the ACT government most recently. Listeners to the show who, uh, who might have tuned in a few months ago heard us interview Father Tony about that. Well, he's a clever man and he's with us just about weekly now on the show and he's going to break open... What Jesus has said and how the church has responded to church-state relations in a bit of a historical overview. Wisdom from the Abbey, we're going to hear from Mother Hilda Scott. And she's got a little piece that she's called Random Act of Kindness. But to kick us off, we're going to hear from Father Chris Del Rosario. I was actually at my cousin's husband's funeral up in Springwood last week. And Father Chris was there at the church and he spoke beautifully and and did a wonderful service for the family. Wonderful, wonderful guy. Well, we also get access to him for Massview at Home. We we record that for television in our little part of the world in the Diocese of Wollongong. It goes around the country, Southern Cross 10 and various other platforms. Well, we're lucky to get him too for the journey. And this is what he's had to say this week about the Gospel of Matthew 22, 15 to 21, and in particular wants to talk to us about hypocrisy, and the line from Jesus, give back to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. So let's get into that now. Lots to get through in the show, as I said. Hearing from Father Chris Del Rosario to, to kick off with, after we've heard the gospel proclaimed, Matthew 22, 15 to 21, give Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and Max Norton's going to proclaim that for us now. Lots to get through, including some great music. After Father Chris, we'll hear from Brian and Katie Tewalt, the song Holy Spirit. After the break... Mother Hilda Scott, she'll have some really good stuff to say to you in Wisdom from the Abbey. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy. Thanks for joining us this week on The Journey. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. The Pharisees went away to work out between them how to trap Jesus in what he said. And they sent their disciples to him, together with the Herodians, to say... Master, we know that you are an honest man and teach the way of God in an honest way and that you are not afraid of anyone because a man's rank means nothing to you. Tell us your opinion then. 
Is it permissible to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus was aware of their malice and replied, You hypocrites, why do you set this trap for me? Let me see the money you pay the tax with. They handed him a denarius and he said, Whose head is this? Whose name? Caesar's, they replied. He then said to them, Very well, give back to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and to God what belongs to God. The Gospel of the Lord. Now the Gospel Reflection with Father Christopher Del Rosario. Just a bit of background for you. The Pharisees and the Herodians were enemies of each other. They were competitors, political competitors, and here they are, they unite to trap Jesus. So I've got three points for you. First of all, the hypocrisy that we're going to encounter when we're trying to live the gospel faithfully. Secondly, that we should expect people to question us as well. And thirdly, a word about our social duties. So first of all, the hypocrisy. The Pharisees and the Herodians, as I mentioned, were enemies of each other. They didn't just unite on this occasion. You might recall they also united at the trial of Jesus. And, you know, they they became friends, even though they were enemies. I forget which gospel it is. It might be St. Luke. But although they were enemies, they united over the broken body of Jesus. And you should expect this hypocrisy, too, in our own age. We see enemies of each other uniting and becoming allies in order to treat the enemy of Christ or, or Christ as their enemy. So the church, basically. So don't be surprised if you experience this. Now, notice what they say to try and get an in with Christ. We know that you're an honest man and teach the way of God in an honest way. Our Lord doesn't deny it because it's absolutely true. But you see, people will sometimes try to do the same to you, to flatter you, to knock your guard down, so to speak, in order to expose you and exploit you. And this is the hypocrisy of the enemies of Christ. And we shouldn't be surprised that we're going to encounter this ourselves at times. So that's the first thing. Secondly, to know that a whole lot of other aspects we can expect hypocrisy to come our way. And it's because the enemies of Christ are ultimately, we're talking about spiritual forces here. St. Paul calls them the principalities and the powers and so forth, right? And the virtues. So they're demonic powers ultimately. And we know that they also have us in their line of fire and they'll use human agents, human beings in order to do this. Thirdly, a word on our social duties. Again, the aim is to trap Christ on this occasion. Now, why why do they want to give him an either-or situation? Because if Jesus says, yes, you should pay your taxes, and that's it, then it means that you are not a friend of the Jewish people because we are an occupied country. And you're saying we should pay taxes to the Romans who are occupying us. So on the other hand, if you say, no, we shouldn't, you'd actually be agreeing with us all, but we'll report you to the authorities and hand you over. And so many of our Lord's answers are both and, not either or. This is often a Catholic response. 
So yes, we should give to Caesar what Caesar's, give to God what is God's. But taxes, yes, sometimes they seem unjust, but we should pay our taxes because we need to pull our own weight in society. And all of these are part of living our faithfulness to Christ, where it's not one or the other, it's both and. You're listening to The Journey, music, interviews and wisdom for living life to the full. Your glory, God, is what our hearts 
You're listening to The Journey, music, interviews and wisdom for living life to the full. Now, Wisdom from the Abbey with Mother Hilda. My sister recently told me a wonderful thing that had happened to her. She's just finished her long round of radiotherapy and that after a very long round of chemotherapy and is now about to embark on the next round of treatment scheduled for the following week. Now, that sets the scene a bit for what I want to tell you. The week after she'd done her final session of radiotherapy, she found herself in town attending to a few business matters. It's getting close to lunchtime, so she popped into a place that she used to know very well to get some lunch. There were another couple of people in the little cafe, but my sister didn't pay a lot of attention to them. Anyway, the bill for lunch came to $17, and when she'd finished, my sister went up to pay for it. When she got up to the lady behind the counter, the woman said to her, Oh, it's already been paid for. Now, Louise, my sister, was blown away by that. She didn't know who it was, and the woman herself didn't know who it was. Louise couldn't even put a face on who it might have been. But she left that cafe a different person. Goodness had crept in beside her. A healing balm had entered into her life. It was as though a fresh, beautiful breeze had just blown across her heart and her soul. Something spoke to her of a kind, gentle, protective force that was bigger than anything else, bigger than all that she'd gone through, bigger than any pain. Life has looked a tad differently since that day for her. Since the day someone did that random act of kindness and the person concerned will never know what they've done. Though part of me hopes that that person is listening to this, so please God they will know. But my sister told us about it and now I'm telling you and hopefully the goodness and kindness of that one person, whoever he or she is, is spreading even further. People often ask, where is God? It really is very simple. God walks our streets disguised as us. God walks our streets at the heart of every one of us. All we have to do is listen to the little voice inside us when we feel moved to leave a random act of kindness for someone else to pick up. Perhaps it's as simple as a smile given freely to another on a street. You'll know. The wonderful thing is that you'll do it your way And that will leave God's personal signature everywhere for the rest of us to find. Thank you in advance. Big thank you there to Mother Hilda Scott. Wonderful piece that she had called Random Acts of Kindness. When a total stranger paid for her sister's meal without her knowledge in a a random act. Isn't that wonderful? And how the little things we do like that, just prompted by the voice of the prompting of the Holy Spirit, can have huge impact. Thanks to Father Chris Del Rosario, who we heard before the break, as he gave us a reflection on this week's gospel that's being read in church right around the world, in the Catholic world anyway, for the 29th Sunday in Ordinary Time, which we celebrate Mission Sunday on here in Australia. Thanks to him. After the break, we're going to hear a bit more about that same gospel as Father Tony Percy gives his reflections on church-state relationship. He knows a bit about it. He's been dealing with it this year as a man representing the Catholic hospital down there in the ACT that was taken off them 
on a whim against all due process and even sidelining the, the usual processes and laws in the ACT so that that Catholic hospital could be put into government hands and to do some of the things that governments do that the Catholic Church won't do in a medical system. That situation is still unfolding, but we uh, will have some great things to hear from Father Tony after the break. Here's all sons and daughters first. For your glory and my good, we'll also hear from Christy Noble after the break. What a beautiful name it is. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy. Thanks for joining us this week on The Journey.
together on the journey. Faith, hope and love for life in all its fullness. And you 
Now, The Word with Father Tony Percy. This week, church-state relationship. We've just finished a section of Matthew's Gospel. We've had three parables last weekend. you remember we had the parable of the king inviting us to the wedding. Marvellous parable. And now Matthew leads us in his Gospel with four conflict stories. So your homework for this uh, week is to go and have a look at those conflict stories and see what you make of them, see what you can learn from them. The one that we have uh, today is the conflict story about the leaders who come to Jesus and they say, should we pay the tax to Caesar or should we not? So this is introducing us to a great theme down in the tradition of the church over the 20 centuries of the relationship between church and state. And the way Jesus answers this particular controversy is very important. He gives us a skeleton. He doesn't give us prescriptive advice. He gives us a skeleton in which we can judge each issue as we have gone forward in the 20th centuries and as we'll go forward in the the 21st centuries. There's always issues about the relationship between church and state. And what he says to us is most important. So it's in uh, Matthew 22 The authorities come to Jesus and say, should we pay the tax to Caesar or should we not? It's a poll tax. If Jesus happens to say, yes, we should pay the poll tax, he will become very, very unpopular with the people because the people didn't like paying the poll tax. I guess none of us like paying tax, but in this particular tax, they found rather unattractive. And so if he says, yes, we should pay it, they won't be happy with him. On the other hand, if he says, no, we should not pay it, then he's going to be unpopular with the authorities and they'll have cause then to up the ante against Jesus. So what Jesus does is he says, well, let's have a look at the coin with which we pay the tax. They pull it out of their pockets. Interestingly enough, Jesus doesn't have a coin himself. Is this Matthew's way of indicating the type of poverty that Jesus lived, perhaps? They pull the coin out of their pockets and he says now whose image do you see on this and they say we see the image of Caesar to which Jesus then says then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and render to God the things that are God so there you can see here the church state relationship coming into play it's very very helpful response from Jesus he's brilliant he's got a brilliant mind and he's got fantastic wonderful deep splendid courage in which he debates with these people. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. So naturally enough, the state has to be able to function. The state's got to build its roads and hospitals and water supply, etc. And they need taxes to do it. So yes, we have to give of ourselves, symbolised by the giving of our taxes so that the state can function and help every human being in society. This is a reasonable thing. There is one caveat, of course, and that is Pope Leo XIII, the first truly modern pope, warned against the state imposing too much burdensome taxation, which would buckle initiative initiative in the social order and economic order. That's an important point. But he did obviously say, and the popes have said right down in the tradition, the social tradition of the church, that we have an obligation to pay taxes. But they should be reasonable because we want to help society function and we want people, everyone to have a fair go, which we've done very well in this country of Australia. Secondly, give to God what belongs to God. Now, this is quite interesting. 
So on the coin, you see the image of Caesar. On a human being, the image is the image of God. And in the tradition, we say we are made in the image and likeness of God. Those early theologians who heard this said, yes, we're always in the image of God, no matter what we get up to, serious or grave sin, we're still always going to be in the image of God. But our task, along with God's help, His grace, is to become like God. I think that's a, a very good distinction, very helpful distinction for our spiritual life. We've got to keep becoming like God as we walk the journey of faith. So on the human being is the image, the image of God. And we are made in body, soul and spirit in the image of God. So we give our bodies back to God, our hands, our eyes. That's very important that we see our body as intimately part of ourselves. Body, soul, the mind we give to God. The uh, will, our will, what we choose, the way we choose the good and reject evil. Our memories, our imagination. Very important that we offer this to God as a gift. Just as we offered the state, the gift of money for taxes, so we offer our very selves back to God. And of course, body, soul and spirit, we offer our spirit to God. We give God a time of prayer each day. This is most important, I think. And uh, what Jesus has done here is to say, as Christians, we can do both. We can be faithful to our obligations to the state and most faithful to our obligations to God in offering ourselves to God. I encourage you then to do this. And most importantly, I encourage you each day to rise, kneel or stand and offer yourself to God as a living sacrifice, as Paul recommended in chapter 12 of Romans. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. That was uh, Father Tony Percy. His segment is called The Word. If you look up Father Tony Percy online, you can access his blog. And this is based on his blog. He writes wonderfully. We've interviewed him a couple of times this year, once about his book on a brief history of Australia, in particular the place of the church and Christianity in it. We've spoken to him about what's happened down in the ACT this year when the, the government took off the Catholic Church, their hospital, because they uh, wanted to do things differently, particularly around some of the things associated with life issues. This week, Tony's broken open the gospel for us and given us some more insights into the church-state relationship and what what Jesus has said about it and and what we've traditionally understood to be as key tenets of that relationship in the Christian tradition. Thanks to him. Hope you enjoyed it. And spare a thought as you're going through your day now. I'm just, uh, just asking for this one for a series of Growing Good Men weekends that have been occurring around the country and occurring this weekend as we speak up at Cataract Scout Camp for fathers and sons, giving them tips for how to journey together into manhood and how to model as fathers the love of the Father, our Heavenly Father. Really powerful stuff. So uh, spare a thought, spare a prayer for those sort of ministries that are going on right around the country. After the break, Dr. Byron Francine Parola are going to talk about just how dangerous the blame game is in a marriage. More music first up, though. Here's Nathan Fawcett in the song Made in Your Image. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy, and you're on the journey. How is made by Made in your image I'm seated with you In heavenly places I was made by you 
Hope, love, and life. This is the journey. Here's Byron and Francine Parola with Smart Loving tips for vibrant marriages and family life. The scenario a frazzled couple, a shopping trolley full of stuff. The setting is ripe for the good old blame game. Hello, we're Francine and Byron Parola from Smart Loving, and today we want to unpack how blame impacts a relationship. Recently, we went grocery shopping together. It was supposed to be some couple time together. What could possibly go wrong? I was doing mental gymnastics, planning meals several days in advance and feeling pressured to be more present to Byron. And I was struggling to see why I needed to be there when there were things to do at home that I could be much more productively doing. We were both frustrated and stressed and so it didn't take long for the blame missiles to start. Why are you buying that? How long is this going to take? I'll be faster if you get off my back. Why didn't you bring the shopping bags? Everybody loses when this happens. The kids get two stroppy parents and we both say things to each other that steals the joy of being a couple and leaves us resentful. Blame might be predictable, but it is never constructive in a marriage. Too often blaming is an avoidance strategy. It deflects our attention away from our own emotions of inadequacy or regret to focus on our spouse's shortcomings. The diversion allows us to avoid the eternal work of processing these emotions. But it takes time and space to process this kind of internal conundrum. And the supermarket checkout, well, it's just not the time or place. When we're under pressure, blame is the shortest route to alleviate our internal angst. However, the relief is generally short-lived. Indulging in blame provides a temporary relief from intensely unpleasant emotions, but it never deals with them in any permanent way. It only masks them. 
Making our spouse feel badly through our blame will never alleviate our own negative emotions. If anything, blame adds to them as we later feel guilty for being such a jerk. It takes a certain self-awareness to be able to recognise when we are playing this game with ourselves. And it takes enormous maturity to practice the self-restraint necessary to resist our impulse to use blame and accusation to avoid those intense feelings. But it's necessary. It's necessary for our growth and it's necessary for our relationships. So next time you need to process your stuff, don't waste money on a therapist. Take a visit to the supermarket together. And don't forget, thank the staff for the free therapy. To learn more about healthier ways to relate, visit smartloving.org. Thanks so much to Dr. Byron Francine Parola there. That was uh, awesome. Very timely, always, to just avoid that trap of playing the blame game in marriage. It's uh, it's an easy route to take and it avoids having the good conversations that need to be had, the fruitful, life-giving conversations. Pretty jam-packed show this week. I'm, I'm just giving you a bit of a heads up. The next week we've got a great interview with a guy called Dr. Eamon Matheson. He's a champion fella. He's a member of the executive of the Catholic Medical Association, They're going to be running a conference on the 9th and 10th of November. It's the first time that they've run a national conference. It's coming at a particular point in time for many Christians in the medical profession as practitioners where they're facing a lot of pressure, secular pressure, particularly to act in ways that we would consider to be unethical as Christian people. And so we were really lucky to get an interview with Dr. Amy Matheson, which I encourage you to listen to next week. And if you are in the medical profession, if you're a Catholic, if you're a Christian, You'd be most welcome and you'll be networking with an incredible group of people who want to ensure that all the good things that happen in our medical system, that happen in in the care of the sick and the vulnerable, which, let's face it, comes out of the Christian tradition first, not of the tradition of governments, that's for sure. It's always been the response of Christians to, to life and living. That's where our hospitals came from. Well, in that vein, I would encourage you to listen next week and to get along to that Catholic Medical Association conference. Well, just for doctors, anyone involved in the medical profession, check it out. Just chuck in your search engine, Catholic Medical Association Conference. Some wonderful speakers, including Dr. Joanna Howe, a real advocate for life issues. She's a professor at the uh, University of, of Adelaide, I believe. She's in the gun and in the target of a lot of people who don't value human life in the same way that Christian people do. And she's a real warrior, so she's going to be one of the keynote speakers, amongst many, many others. Get along to it and make sure you listen in to this really special interview that we've got next week. Matt Mark coming up now. Lord, I need you. Love that song. After the break, Father Mike Delaney is going to round out the show for us. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy. We're getting near the end, but you're still on the journey. Lord, I come, I confess. Bowing here, I find my rest Without you, I fall apart You're the one that guides my heart Lord, I need you,
Where sin runs deep, your grace is more. Grace is found, is where you are. Where you are, Lord, I am free. Holiness is Christ in me. On the journey, faith, hope, and love for life in all its fullness. And now, seeing God in life's everyday events, here's Father Mike Delaney. Early in May, I was invited to join a family for a Saturday lunch as a birthday celebration. I'd known the lass whose birthday we were celebrating since she was about 15, and that was almost over, um, well, I won't really say how many years ago. Just before I had arrived, another priest was just getting out of his car and he was talking to one of the boys, men of the family, who was home for that weekend. After a short chat, we all wandered inside to join her husband, her mother and her mother-in-law as they were preparing for what was to be a late lunch. Not long after we'd been snacking on the hors d'oeuvres, one of the daughters and her family arrived, mum, dad and their three children. All three little children ran to their nonna with their cards and presents, wanting to share what they had made. I wasn't sure how she would manage without one or more of the children being upset at not being able to go first. I watched her listening to their stories. I was reminded of a night sitting around a campfire many years ago as I enjoyed the company of her family in a camping ground at Port Arthur, southeast of Hobart. On that night, her father had asked the children, why does the wood in a fire give off light as well as heat? There were seven children ranging in ages from around 17 through to six, so I wondered what would happen. Probably because it was part of their family process, 
No one jumped in to give the answer. They waited until the youngest gave her answer. Then each child, up from the youngest to the oldest, made their contribution, each adding to the wisdom and understanding of their siblings, without anyone being made to look as if they weren't good enough or didn't have anything to add to the conversation. As I watched this last now Anona ask each child to tell their story, I thought that I was blessed to be able to experience these two events so many years apart, but so similar in their execution. The fact that her father was an extremely well-educated man, in fact a Rhodes Scholar, and that she was an early childhood teacher might have helped, but I think there was something greater there as well. Both these teachers shared their love for what was happening in their family with the littlest first, but also encouraging the older children by taking the conversation further and drawing them into a new level when it was time for them to tell their part of the story. As we grow in our own faith journey, I wonder whether we are able to add something to the conversation. But I also wonder if I always allow people the opportunity to make their contribution. I'd like to hope that the next time a conversation starts, that I'll have the grace to listen and the opportunity to encourage the person I'm talking to, to share their story, their faith, and about their life as well. What are we waiting for? Save it.
Thanks so much to Father Mike Delaney there. Two experiences that he's had of recent time that, as always, he's a great storyteller, give us great insights into how to live the the Christian life, God in the everyday. Thanks so much to Father Mike. Nice song to finish with there too for King and Country. What are we waiting for? They've been picked up a few times by the guys who are making The Chosen. They've appeared in their Christmas special a couple of times. How good's The Chosen, eh? I hope you've watched that, that, uh, that wonderful series about the life of Jesus. They're getting close to releasing season four or finishing up the filming, I think. Can't wait to see their Christmas special this year too. Really good people doing great things, unifying Christian churches right around the world with a great, solid, high-quality depiction of the gospel stories and, and a lot of the narratives, imaginative narratives of what might have been going on in the background in the lives of the characters. It's awesome. There's a free plug for them. Thanks to all of our presenters this week, to Dr. Byron Francine Parola, to Father Tony Percy. Great to have Mother Hilda Scott on the show too and Father Chris Del Rosario. I've been talking really fast. I feel like I've had to rush. I have. It's been such a big show. Sorry if you're feeling rushed after I've belted all that, out all those words in quick succession. I do, I do hope you have a wonderful week though. Be prayerful. Allow yourself to be open to God's blessings in your lives and we'll be doing it all again next week. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy, and you've been on The Journey. The Journey is presented by Jude Hennessy and produced by Max Norden on Darawal Country in the office of the Bishop for the Catholic Diocese of Wollongong.